Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you again today. Hello. Hello, good morning. This fabulous team, right, that makes a lot of work. And we do it together. And I'm trying to tie it into the title, y'all. I got nothing. (laughs) Okay. I got nothing there. I was going to try and tie it back in. But we are on Teamwork Makes the Dream Work, part two. Yep. If you remember uh, back on part one, we talked a lot from the leader's perspective of really mm, getting your vision right on what you want your high-performing team to look like. And we gave kind of some ideas of what most high-performing teams, some consistent behaviors you'd see there. Uh, Today, we're going to kind of... That that was all the nice, the warm fuzzies. Uh, And now today, we're going to talk a little bit about the reality setting in of how teams typically form because it is a process. Mm -hmm. So if you got your vision, that we talked about mm-hmm. in our last episode. You know, today's episode is really about, you know, how do teams kind of get there? Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And I don't think you can talk about this without talking about Dr. Bruce Tuckman and his five stages mm-hmm. of team development. Most people only remember the first four, which is the forming, the storming, the norming, and the performing. Um, but he did come back in his model, what, about seven, eight years later, and he added a fifth stage called adjourning, which has a lot to do with change mm-hmm. uh, as well. Um, so that's where I, I think you have to talk about this if you're going to talk about how people get to that that team vision of a high-performing team. Absolutely. Well, and I I just think back and I want to ask you all, considering your first job you ever entered into, and I want you to think back to your first like W-2 job, right? Uh. Uh, (laughs) What was it and what was your experiences like as you started in that environment? Well, my first job, I wasn't even 16 yet. Uh, my dad still had to drive me to work, but I worked at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I'm old enough and it was only one movie, right? Mm-hmm. So only one theater. Now you go to these multiplex um, uh, theaters, but this, it was one movie and I worked the concession stand, mm-hmm. right? So I made the popcorn, got the candy and the sodas and all that kind of fun stuff. I didn't take money for tickets. I didn't, I never got to, you know, I never got elevated to the tickets. Uh, person. Yeah. Elevated. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did concessions and, you know, it was, I, I always say other than MTI, it was really one of my most fun jobs mm-hmm. because, you know, we'd be busy when people would be coming to the movies and buying their popcorn and sodas and stuff. And then of course, when the movie started, you had at least 90 minutes to just cut up and and talk with your teammates and we're in a pretty iso, you know a small enclosed you know u-shaped space with candy counters and popcorn uh, machines and things like that and so we just goof around for 90 minutes every mm-hmm. you know hour before the next movie before rush, the next yeah the next movie would show yeah. Yeah. yeah mine uh i worked on a hog farm Oh, boy. Um, And it was um, not a lot of fun. And it didn't really uh, I didn't really get to work with other people. I was oftentimes on my own. And um, so that that didn't set so well with me because I'm that type of guy that likes to be around other people. I wanted to to (laughs) I like Ray. I wanted to be cutting up with some folks and stuff. So um, that job only really lasted maybe about three months. Mm -hmm. And then um, then I applied. Oh, and got 
hired on to the Savannah swimming pool during the summer. Uh, Lots of people there. I too was was uh, um, working the concession stand, but there were so many other people that I could talk to. Yeah, Um, yeah, and and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, and friends, and that's what I like. Even my friends would, you know, they come to the movies, so you'd see your friends even when you were. Did you give them free popcorn? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I worked at a retail store um, and selling clothing and uh and i i think back to my hesitation i guess on day one because this was a larger retail store and there was so many people that worked there and there was varying ages so i mean we had some that were were my age but then we had some who were this was their retirement gig you know part-time um at the jewelry counter or whatever mm-hmm. and it was really hard to get bearings on like, where do I fit in mm-hmm. here and how do I start trying to figure out my place in in this um, department store? Well, that's the forming stage. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the idea of trying to get to know one another. That's the stage where we're trying to maybe start to develop some trust and, and to kind of start to read people. You know, can I trust you? Can I not trust you? So you got some testing going on mm. of one another um you know you've got um uh, probably limited information that's being shared because i don't know you i don't know if i can trust you why would i want to open myself up to mm-hmm. um give you any any ammunition you might use against me well and even if we are sharing we're only sharing the best parts of ourselves sometimes because yes. we're you know we're on our best behavior because yes. we've got a new person mm-hmm. and you know it's kind of like back in the day dressing up for you know church or whatever i mean when this person is new and all shiny you know right. you're only really sometimes sharing Sharing the best side of yourself. Right. right. I remember when um, MTI at one time went through a merger with another uh, uh, unit here uh, within the College of Business. And uh, we kind of came together. And that was an interesting experience because these are two... um, teams that worked very separately and they were both, I felt that we were both pretty high performing teams, but coming together uh, and into a merger situation, we had to go back to this forming stage. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I would encourage leaders to do is to deliberately uh, take your teams back to the stage for a couple reasons. Maybe, maybe your vision or your goals have changed. Um, and you know what? Members on your team are going to have opinions about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. And so um, we got to kind of work through that. How does everybody feel about that new goal, that new vision? Um, when team members leave, because that work doesn't usually get done by itself. You know, we have to um, redistribute that work when when a team member leaves. And so how do people feel about that? And they're going to have opinions. Uh, when you add new people to your team, I would encourage people to take them back to that forming stage because people need to get to know one another. Yeah, that's it. You know, that's the thing that Dr. Tuckman talks about is, you know, every team's going to go through these stages mm-hmm. um, and you don't get to skip any. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you said, it's not a linear. I think you said that last week. It's not a linear process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's circular and sometimes it's loop de loop. You know, <laughs> I mean, because you might get to the norming and then drop all the way back, right. you know, right. so um, it, it but it does take intentionality. It does. On the leader's part. Well, I think what's interesting is hearing you all say that when I think back to that first job and I think about um, the lack of uh, structured forming. You know, mm-hmm. like it was kind of like you go forth, set yourself free, you know, and I felt it's going to sound funny, but it was like you're you're in a zoo. Right. <laughs> and and all these cages just open and you're like, all right, which animals can I trust and which ones can't I trust? And right. and so I remember 
the frenzy because there were a lot of people coming up to me and wanted, like you said, the shiny object and wanted to form relationships. But um, it became so overwhelming because there was no, I guess, structure around mm-hmm. it that I would prefer to be by myself then. Or, or even no expectation. Exactly. Right, yeah, about yeah. what you were supposed to, you know. Be sharing, be mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, yeah. it was very confusing. And what I did notice with that then is um, because it was unstructured and because I kind of isolated from it, I got nervous about all of it. Then I started noticing, and I'm going to suggest it was probably moving into the second stage here, but there was a lot of, of conflict that started happening. I started hearing little gossipy things and when people were coming to me about rumors about this person and that person. And I'm like, whoa, I just got here. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, before we go on to the storming stage, yeah. um, I, I was sitting here thinking of, uh, the, about the forming stage with us three. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember the one thing that I was just flabbergasted that I learned about you um, was that you were an MMA fighter and yeah. wrestler. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was such a unique little thing that I learned. Um, and I'll never forget that when I learned that. I was like, really? I had no idea. Uh-huh. And then you were even getting prepared for a fight. Yeah. Um, she had a broken hand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I really squeeze people's hands when I handshake. <laughs> yeah. And I then after she told me, of course, we'd hired her. And, uh-huh. and then I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you had a little brace on it when you first came to work. You didn't do it yeah. in your interview, yeah. you know, but and then I was, was like, oh, no. That was like a, a more a, such an insight to you. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of that examples of what we're looking for when we talk about that idea of, of forming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK, so let's get to storming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I say this just about sure. the intentionality for leadership? I said, think the one task or the one thing that leaders can do to help in this way to make it intentional is really go back to your onboarding processes mm, okay. and yeah. really, really think it through. And some people are like, okay, for th- one week, I'm like, no, no. Like, you got to have at least three months worth of very intentional yep. things for this new person um, because they're the most engaged mm-hmm. actually during the first six months. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, it's not just just like two days of, you know, this policy, sign this form, and now you're off into the zoo. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be very intentional with those mm-hmm. processes in your onboarding stage. I would agree. So I would agree. Well, and, and revisit those. Yeah. And what I, I think I always think back to, and I've shared this on other episodes that I appreciated you all did and the structure I had coming into MTI. So very different from my very first job experience. But I got to learn about you all through assessments. You know, I got to learn about and that was my first introduction to assessments. It was my first understanding of how there's similar personalities, but different, you know, behaviors associated with them. And we'd have those conversations, very intentional conversations after we all had gone through some of those. Well, they're a tool to help you through that forming stage. Yeah. Correct. And so I guess thinking about it, then I'll ask you all this question. Can you think about a time then and whether it was your first job or any other job? I've shared mine a little bit and how you started noticing some patterns of entering into maybe that next stage Tuckman calls storming. Yeah, I think, you know, when the, when the new wears off, mm-hmm. when people kind of settle back in, you know, and they assume everybody's kind of figured their role out, like, you know what I do and I know what you do yeah. and you know what you do, you know, and I think there's a lot of assumptions that goes on and a lot of that newness, you know, the honeymoon phase is over. <laughs> and so then we start seeing the real, real mm-hmm. person, you know, and we start knowing their life stories and, and we're not quite as careful with one another. Yeah, I think there's a sense of comfortableness that at least we've been with one another maybe for right. a, a month or so. And um, and now we're kind of dropping our guard and now we get to really look 
yeah. sometimes at the at the real person, right? Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. I think oftentimes it's about making assumptions uh, about people, and that can lead to a lot of conflict, a lot of a lot of tension in relationships. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that conflict stage. Well, and in in my situation, I mentioned like I started, there were the rumors, the gossip, the things that were coming, you know, starting to happen or people bringing conflict among themselves to me to let me know and like almost trying to create an ally with me. Of course they were. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so trying to to really understand um, that that polarization, I think that happens like you're either on their team or you're on mine. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Oh, man. Like, I don't want to be on any of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell leaders, you know, uh, pay attention to the water, the water cooler, the coffee pot, places like that, because that's where that stuff is going on. Right. You know, you you hear people. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear what so-and-so did? Um, You know, that building their little armies. Yes. I I bet you also uh, people will see a lot of competition. Oh, yes. Uh, among the team members, you know, and sometimes they feel that they have to compete just to maintain their resources or the things that they don't want to get rid of. Right. Um, and then other times it could be for many other reasons. But you see a lot of competition usually I, at this stage. I have to laugh. OK, so you saying that actually brings me back to that situation. And I mentioned, you know, there was a jewelry counter at this department store and um, there was a, an elderly woman who had again, it was her retirement job part time. And at this department store, of course, they sell credit cards and so, you know, you're trying to push the credit cards, opening lines of credit and those kinds of things. And I had to shadow every department. So I became familiar with each setting and um, with kind of the way that things worked. And I was shadowing this day with this this woman. And you can, you know, you, you can kind of get a taste of somebody's personality already. And she liked things her way and how, you know, and and so I get probably three credit cards, I guess, opened that day. And on that last one, I remember her looking at me and she says, I'm going to take the next credit card. Oh, and I was like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, they incentivize. Oh. And I'm like, what yeah. do you say? Right. I'm like, because I'm new and she's I respect my elders as well. And I'm like, OK, you know, but I'd gotten three and she hadn't had any that day. And so she was very frustrated and she didn't talk to me for a week after that. That's amazing. Like yeah. the rest of the shift, she didn't talk to me after she'd said that. And the rest of the week, she didn't talk to me. And I was like, okay, I was just trying to do my job. (laughs) And you did your job well. Yeah. Obviously better than her. (laughs) But but I mean, that competition, I mean, to your point right there, and I'll always remember that. I was like, okay. (laughs) So, you know, I, I guess my advice to leaders here in this particular stage is don't ignore it. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that as a leader, if I notice that I've got two employees um, and that they're having some conflict, maybe they can work it out on their own. Mm -hmm. Okay, but it doesn't mean I'm ignoring the situation. I want to make sure that I uh, acknowledge it. But I do want to give them a little space to see if they can uh, get over that hump themselves. Because I think um, if they are able to do that, they both come out better on the other end. Now, more severe conflicts, I think the leaders are definitely going to have to get involved. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I'm just talking about those minor things that kind of pop up. And sometimes, you know, just letting people work through them on their own is OK. Although I want to acknowledge them. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want to ignore them. And don't think you're going to skip this. Right. You're absolutely not going to skip it. I don't care. You know, we feel like we're a pretty good team and we storm. Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah. You know, Um Yeah. Sometimes it's just a little blip and sometimes it's a full on hurricane, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. so don't don't think you're going to skip this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, oh, we've been working together for 20 years. You might still be stuck in the next stage, which is just norming. That's right. You know, 
but no, nobody gets past the, the little bumps of storming. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's talk about that then. I guess at what point um, you, you referenced, Ray, the, the, the next stage norming. Um, how do you know? I mean, I guess what does that look like or how do you know you've entered it? Or do you have any stories to share from your work experiences as it relates? I'm, I, you know, the, this stage is kind of funny to me because it's it's not so memorable to me. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's probably why I'm having a difficult time kind of coming up with a story or something here. But, um, you know, I think, you know, you're in this stage uh, when you start to see people kind of normalizing um, their interactions with one another. So and so kind of what, what I mean by that is um, they've gotten to know each other. They maybe have even had some storming, but now they've learned a little things about each other, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're able to kind of maximize their harmony as best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I think you're really entering into this norming stage. So, you know, uh, we establish a few boundaries with one another, right? And um, we kind of know what those boundaries are now. Um, so that's when I think, um, you know, that norming stage is all about. You kind of w- work through some of the conflict and now we're just, where we, we understand each other a little bit better. Do you think that this is the stage where you kind of become, I don't say complacent, but I guess complacent yes. in a way? Yes, and, and absolutely. Maybe work isn't still getting done to the maximum potential because you're just kind of in this yeah, stagnant I think, place. I think people have learned how to get the work done, mm-hmm. right? And so you might even see a reduction in communication, Yeah, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. now I, I'm not asking as many questions or we're not having as, as many opportunities. Everybody's just kind of plugging along, doing their job. So I think that's what you mean, Dewey, when you say it's it's hard to remember that right. because everybody's just doing their thing. Like I, I've learned, you know, instead of going to Dewey, I can probably just skip right over him and go to, right, right. you know, somebody else and get it done. And it's so much quicker. And then I don't have to interact with him, you know, and, and just what those kinds of things, you've just figured those things out, mm-hmm. you know, or actually I can miss doing that three times before they're going to bug me about it, you know? And so things just kind of disappear, conversations and collaborations. And, you know, and so that's why people are like, oh, look at us. We're performing. I'm like, "Mm, no, you're just getting (laughs) work done. Norming. Yeah. You're just norming. (laughs) I think the other thing that you see here is is, um, those processes really start to develop, you know. Uh, So recognizing that one employee's output is an input for the next employee. Um, And so you start to see these two people then kind of work out that process about how that work is going to be handed off, what the expectations are of that work when it is handed off. Um, And I start, I think you start to see some of those processes kind of be put into place. Yeah. We get a lot of calls for training during this time. We do. Mm. We do. You know, because they're they're not overtly storming anymore, but maybe it wasn't always uh, addressed. And now everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. And I think you use the word silos, Mm -hmm. you know, or like Mm -hmm. just figuring out those processes and just it feels lackluster. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, I mean, this is still a a semi unproductive stage. It is. It's not the 10 million watt. Right. No, it's not the 10 million watt. But I I, I do think, though, at this stage, you can get some moderate levels of performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's certainly not like the the conflict stage, storming stage where your productivity there is always kind of drop. Um, But here, you know, the the performance is kind of going up, but it's not outstanding. Right. Kind of average. Okay, so let me ask this question then as I'm kind of thinking through this. At any point as a leader, would you ever intentionally like try to bring your team back 
to a storming phase to create some type of innovation or, you know, like, you know, I mean, to propel something forward and manage it differently than maybe you did the first time around? You know, energy leadership would say yes, because maybe there isn't the energy behind just a norming stage. And so it doesn't necessarily need to be in the form of like, uh, pardon my metaphor here, but like picking a scab necessarily as much as it is a challenge or a raised expectation that's communicated Mm -hmm. over and over and over and stories are being told, you know, that people are wanting to start to lean into a little bit. So I think where you go from maybe just this lack of energy and, you know, towards this lack of of absolute buy-in and excitement and engagement, and you might... You might do something that kind of creates that sense of urgency, mm-hmm. you know, that now they're they've got a little spark and whether it's fire, mm-hmm. you know, uh, under them or in front of them. But, you know, so to your point, yeah, maybe, you know, yeah, maybe, um, you know, the other thing I think that's really kind of interesting about these stages is how the differences in terms of how leaders I see leaders communicate to their employees when they're in different stages. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that forming stage and that storming stage, leaders usually take a little bit more direct approach. Mm -hmm. Um, They're probably a little bit more in charge at that time. And they have to be right because leaders have to be the ones to explain whose roles, whose responsibility this is and your role and your responsibility here. And this is how all this works. And then we're going to storm about it. Right. And so we need to make sure as a leader, I come in and say, "Okay, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Now, let's work together. Right. But when the norming stage happens, I I think good leaders kind of start to put the let the team make more and more and more and more decisions. So I think that they're trying to push, um, empower the team more mm-hmm. and more and more. Um, so where the leader doesn't have to be the director all the time, right? Um, the team then can start to take on more and more of their own kind of problems and start to resolve them. Yeah. A lot of teams stop mm-hmm. in the norming stage yep. and they think that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then they, you know, you hear things like, well, I, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't have time for that. We don't have enough people. You know, the idea of do more with less and people just kind of become complacent mm-hmm. in the norming stage. Mm-hmm. And they think that's performing. And I hear that a lot. Right. And uh, I'm here to tell you, it's not. <laughs> just getting work done is not yeah that's not how tuckman uh describes high performance teams that's right and so if the if the leader is le- kind of leaving this um not less directive communication kind of leaving it to the team to uh figure out i mean i would imagine then you'd have to be fairly confident that your team would be able to manage themselves in that. So providing yeah. the skills yeah. that are and, required. And please, don't get me wrong, because I think that there's a difference between the high performing team, which is yeah. the next stage where they are very empowered to take on more and more and more of their own work as right. a team. But it's got to start somewhere. Right. And as a leader, I think I want to start that after the storming and into that norming where I'm starting to push some of these things down to the team level, mm-hmm. right? Where they can, they can own them. They can resolve them. They can implement them. Um, because once they, all of them come together and do this, you got more buy-in, you got more commitment, right? Rather than the leader just coming and saying, this is how it's going to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I would anticipate, and I'm just going to throw this out there, you know, might might be a little plug for Missouri Training Institute, but if you find your team in a norming stage, something that might actually be a good benefit 
is a training, you know, a training opportunity here on upskilling people so that they, you know, they're empowered to be able to work through some of these things on their own as well, especially if the less direction is mm-hmm. is is coming down from. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I think about, you know, that type of training, I think that's where leaders Yes. You know, I yes. when you say the upskill, I, I don't know that it's so much the employee at that I point. Agree. However, that's what we get. Mm. Like my team needs this training. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, this is a wonderful opportunity to upskill your coaching skills mm-hmm. as a leader mm-hmm. and your visioning and your direction um, and not always assume it's the team that's not doing their work. Because as we know, it's what? It's, it's the manager. Always the manager. <laughs> yeah. And well, I think coaching uh, is a big part of drawing from norming into performing. I would mm-hmm. And to continue in that performing Absolutely. Stage, I think Absolutely. a lot of coaching needs to take place. Absolutely. So, right. Tell me some, or, or Brianna, tell me some examples of some high performing teams that you may have encountered in your work here at MTI. Us? You don't have no, to, like us. Yeah, yeah. No, you, don't, you don't have to really name them, but you know, maybe some of the characteristics that you saw or, or, or yeah, those kinds of things. You know, I think when I worked at the bank, mm-hmm. um, there was one particular facility, you know, that had all these cool horses and mm-hmm. artwork and everything anyway for people that might know that bank. And I really felt that was a high performing team. Mm-hmm. They took care of one another. They stepped in. They advocated. We had innovation out the wazoodle. We brought uh, employers in. We did um, like customer um, features. Wow. We had uh, a Kawasaki dealership. He brought in his um, a wave runner and we set it in the lobby and we highlighted that customer. And, you know, then we had theme days. And this was all stuff that they, meaning my staff, came up with. That's great. You know, great. and I just had to provide the environment, you know, and the OK. And the resources. Yeah. And then we even put out a newsletter to our, you know, that people who identified at the Stadium West location as their home bank, you know, and and then we'd send them newsletters. And um, and that was all driven, all driven by the people that work there. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's a great example of what we're what 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 I think Tuckman means by this high performing team. Yeah. You know, I think what you see here is such adaptability and flexibility with one another. This is where you really start to see those strengths being capitalized on and partnerships. So I partner with you because you have a strength that I don't. Um, and I think that's the kind of things that you really start to see here is a lot of that constructive self change, a lot more adaptability and flexibility with one another. The other thing I think that you will always be able to see is that your results are going to get higher and higher and higher. Your performance is going to, is going to start to skyrocket here. Yeah. But I'll tell you, stay focused on the people. Yes. If you shift back into the profits Mm -hmm. or the production, um, you're missing the mark. Yeah. Yeah. This should be a time for celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This should be a time for celebration. Well, it's interesting. You know, you pose that question of can you think of a time you've been on that? And I'm going to step even out of the workplace and think of one of the the volunteer boards I sit on. Um, Molly's Miles is a perfect example of of that. Uh, You know, we are a group of people that all come from different backgrounds and experiences and workplaces. And um, we didn't know anybody, each other before we came in here. And I can certainly see how we've operated through those, but we've gotten to a point now, you know, in our seventh year uh, where 
our proceeds that we've gotten, our donations are higher than they've ever been. Our team, like we don't even have to think too much on race day anymore about how who's going to do what. We all just kind of pick up each other and we've seen it grow over the course. You so know, that is something that's that's what I was going to say is that, you know, I've been living in this town for a long time. And when Molly's Miles first started, it kind of made a big splash because it was, you know, an officer died here. Molly, mm-hmm. you know, was a police officer that got killed in the line of duty. And so um, there was kind of a big splash about it. But now I think it is an event that everybody in this community looks forward to. Yeah. You know, it has grown and grown and grown over the years. Yeah, it really has. And that's I mean, that's all just because of the the way we've naturally I mean, we're a small board. A lot of people didn't realize that. Yeah. But I mean, there's only um, 12 of us, I think, is what I've counted. So mm-hmm. that put on, you know, obviously with the work of some of our volunteers and our Boy Scouts and things. But the so I think that that's a really key piece is you don't have to be a huge team to be performing at the level in which we're talking about. It's just everyone's got to be staying in their lane and doing the things that they can do to make things happen, working well together, effectively together. And, you know, there's a built-in cause there that unifies everyone. So to, you know, just push back the point of can we rally around our mission? Right. And people are committed to that because of this, you know, Molly's Miles and and the cause or the mission. Um, And everybody's there for that. Absolutely. So really that kind of that empowering environment, just kind of recap what I'm I'm hearing here. When we're in this stage, it's an empowering environment. We're going to continue to create that, to maintain it, to connect people back to their why. The mission, as Ray just said, Um, really trying to push the decision making down to the team. This is the space where it really is happening. It starts in the norming stage a little bit, but it's really happening here. Again, celebration, celebration, celebration. You all said earlier. And coach. And coach. Coach. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of coaching that goes on here. Yes. But notice that the notice that the team's put forward now. Yeah. Yeah. They're the ones that are highlighted. The coach, the leader isn't. They're in the background right, right here at this stage. Right. Um, um, but they they let the team yeah. Yeah, let the team go forward. So talk to me a little bit about, Dewey, you mentioned at the beginning that this adjourning stage that he talks about was actually added on a few years later. Yeah, he um, came up with this model and then uh, I think it was about seven, eight years, okay. maybe nine years later, he came back and added a fifth stage called adjourning because of change. You know, you've got either new people joining um, uh, your team or you've got new goals you're trying to achieve and people are always going to have um, some type of opinion about that, mm-hmm. right? And so... This is about this is about a journey and it's about, you know, putting putting to bed the old. Um, this is about innovating and and turning your attention to the new. To me, this is really a lot about change management. Yeah. And so, something's always changing. That's why, you know, you, you get in norming and people are like, oh, I'm safe. Yeah. You know, and we're not changing, yeah. which means we're not. I'm never, changing, I'm never yeah, going back. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, um, and so they don't move forward. They're still going to adjourn, but because um, something will always change. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you all this: as we've gone through all of these stages, this has been a very hearty discussion, mind you. Any final thoughts for our listeners or um, on this process as it relates to, I guess, not getting discouraged as a leader? Because I mean, you already said it. Every team's going to go through this and you might go through it multiple times, even with the same team. Oh, you right? will go through it. Multiple okay. Times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so how do you remain uh, steadfast in your approach to each stage? You all have been doing this for a long time and been on a lot of teams. So how do you continue to Well, for me, I, I, and, and for me, it's about assessing where I think my team's yep. at. 
Mm. You know, how would I know that they're in that stage that I think that they're in? You know, what kind of characteristics am I seeing that would lead me to believe what stage they're in? And then it's a matter of, I think, about trying to be intentional about moving to the next one. So you're not going to hear a lot of people say this, but, um, you know, if I'm in the forming stage, uh, what can I do to get them into some conflict? Right. What can I get them (laughs) into doing to um, maybe dig a little deeper and to, you know, smooth over some of the things that have popped up as a result of some conflict that we're having. So um, I think it's about being intentional about leading them to the next stage. The other thing I would encourage people to do is to think about some structure, Mm -hmm. some structure here. Yeah, I'm fully on board. That's exactly what I was going to say is being able to recognize the behaviors of the different stages Mm -hmm. so that you can be intentional with your your strategy and and how you're going to move your team forward. Yeah. Well, and I heard you all mention some great resources earlier we talked about, Ray, you mentioned the ELI, the Energy mm-hmm. Leadership Index. Um, so a great resource. You talked about coaching a lot. So again, another great resource. And MTI happens to offer those services. So if you're interested or, or want to learn some more information, be sure to reach out to us at MTI at Missouri.edu. And we'd love your thoughts, your questions, your opinions. Uh, based off of now part two of um, Teamwork Makes the Dream Work, we probably will be coming back next week yep. with the part three. I wouldn't expect that. And uh, until then, go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Yes.